Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Avocado Games Cast, the gaming podcast that's still going for some reason. Today, we're going to be talking all about exploration, how I move through and interact with game spaces. But before we get to that, let's introduce ourselves. My name's Merv, and joining me, he's been trying to uncancel StarCraft Ghost since 1983. It's Mr. Glitch. Hi, everybody. He only plays the Yakuza games for the avian real estate tycoons. It's Andy Tuttle. Fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> and finally, making her game's cast debut, she collected all 999 power moons, sorry, and all she got was this lousy podcast. Give a warm welcome to Lovely Bones. Hello. <clears throat> Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> awesome. I'm very glad to, to finally get you on the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, I've been trying to make this happen for a while. Yeah, so it's it's always good to have some fresh blood um, because we talk about the same topics over and over again. Um, <laughs> so it's nice to to branch out and you know not talk about Sonic and, and Randy Pitchford for a little while. Um, well, so, you know I love talking about Sonic. <laughs> oh, you do. Okay, well, <laughs> bye bye. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, so. What have you guys been up to lately in, in uh, the gaming world? What have you guys been playing? Um, Glitch, what have you been playing? Duh! Oh! Okay. <laughs> it's like, it's like uh, I'm at the head of the class and, and the teacher's just like looking at the classroom and you're all kind of glancing away. Please don't pick me! Please don't pick me! <laughs> no one wants to answer. And usually in those situations, I do know the answer, but I'm too anxious to, to raise my hand or to speak up. This is not one of those times. Don't pick me, don't pick me, don't pick me. Hi. Right. Yeah, well, Glitch, what have you been playing? Um, uh, well, in terms of new stuff, not much. Just still Smashing Brothers. Well, Smash Smashing Smash Brothers, Brothers is, is a fun thing to do. It How is, is, is a the, fun thing to do. Super Smash Bros. Yeah. Been revisiting Gunstar Heroes. I don't know if anybody's ever played that old Genesis game, but it is a kick in the pants. I love that old <laughs> game. Um, what are you saying it on? The Genesis. Oh, nice. Oh, you you actually le- legit have an old Genesis? Just I have several dead Genesis and one working one. Oh wow! Uh, <laughs> that that's almost that's world? almost enough Genesis Genesises to complete the uh, the unholy Sega ritual. <laughs> and do you bring about like a, do you like a, arrange them in a pentagram shape and then like start chanting Sega Sega Sega? Um, yeah, it's how I keep them working. Exactly. I sold my soul to Sega. Yeah. So how how is Gunstar Heroes? I don't know much oh, about it. So it's a little run and gun kind of contra y kind of game where you're a little dude and you get to play as a little dude um, with your little dude buddy if you have two people, uh, and you kind of run from the left side of the screen to the right side of the screen and you shoot everything, uh, and it's very cartoony and cute and adorable and incredibly violent in a 16-bit sort of way and just just a rousing good time i highly i highly recommend gunstar heroes on whatever platform you can track it down on um is it one you of, like is it one of those old games with like really bullshit difficulty where you're just like oh god why this is clearly <laughs> born from the arcade you know believe it or not gunstar heroes is very forgiving so it it has kind of a contra gameplay in that you're you you basically you're running along you you have your choice of several different types of weapons 
you know, you have like a little homing gun or a flamethrower gunny or like a lightning gun or whatever that, and you can pick them up and kind of swap through them as you play the game. But you don't, ugh, if you take one hit, you don't die immediately. You have a little health gauge at the top of your screen, just a little number that goes down as you take, you know, impacts, which I mean, you know, it's basically kind of the contra equivalent of a bullet hell shooter. So you're, you're don't really have a choice, but to take hits in the game, uh, unless you're a lot better than me, at least, I don't know. Uh, but, uh, there are a lot of games where enemies have like these bullshit, undodgeable attacks. And it's just a test of how well you've managed to preserve your health until then. But Gunstar Heroes is not what I, I mean, it's particularly for, you know, it's, it's, age it's an early 90s 92 93 something like that um not particularly cruel it's actually you, you can make it pretty far in that at least i can as, as, as a as a total scrub i can make it pretty far in that game um just on the on the lives that it gives you or the well, life that it gives you that's it's a pretty it's a good. it's a great co-op game um have you been playing it co-op or just by yourself uh well lately i've been playing myself but i i have played through it uh, co-op with a buddy. Oh, uh, nice! It is a it is a good time. Like, it's, do they are there versions of it with like online co-op, or do you have to? Is it like casual co-op? Uh there is a. I've never played it. There is a 3DS version. It might support uh, online. I honestly, don't know. Um, you you can't have both people plugging away at the same 3DS. So I assume it's like at least kind of kind of like over Wi-Fi. I'm guessing. Well, if it has, co- I mean, if it has multiplayer, I don't know. I hope oh, so. Oh yeah, they might have they it... had patched out. <clears throat> yeah, there was a. I, I'm not sure. I think cause it, so. There was the original Gunstar Heroes was a Sega Genesis game, uh, and then there was, I believe, a sequel made for the Game Boy Advance, and the 3DS version might be an adaptation of that. Ah. I don't honestly know. Uh. Uh. But uh, it, it, it's really fun. I'm sorry. I said I played the Game Boy Advance version. That was a lot of fun. Okay, yeah. It's a lot like that. Um, yeah. There's a lot to... Uh, there, there's a lot of, uh, I guess, variety in the kinds of actions in the game. It's, it's, not, it's not exclusively a side-scroll. There's also some vertical levels, kind of um, Battletoads-y, uh, mineshafty level type thing. Um, the uh, It's one of, probably one of the earlier games I can think of that... Uh, Really did a good job um, uh, with, uh, I suppose, or... verticalities. Yeah, one of them. But uh, I'm thinking more of the the way that it manipulated sprites in the game. Um, a lot of the a lot of the latter Genesis games did some pretty nifty like sprite scaling and rotations, and like Vector Man and and a few other games like that. And I think Gunstar Heroes might have been, you know, kind of where that kicked off you know it was kind of the genesis video the genesis line of games response to uh you know the the, the capabilities of the super nintendo mm-hmm. uh, well this was also one of the first games <clears throat> made by treasure um yeah, it's treasure game, like, yeah. uh, ikaruga and mischief makers and uh, they did a wario game for the gamecube so i i'm not surprised that it's it's great I mean, everything that they've done i've loved i don't think i've played a bad treasure game yeah it, I highly recommend it. If you if you dig Contra, if you dig um, the Metal Slug uh, games, it would be right up your alley. And it's very it's very lighthearted. You know, your your enemy, your 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 main boss guy kind of looks like um, M Bison or something. Uh, 
Nice. Um, it's very cool. So, completely just just on a tangent, there was a Wario game for the GameCube. Uh, yeah, no, I think it's Wario a... World. Wario World? Is that what it Wario was? World? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was. It was the. It was the last quote unquote main like it was the class. It, it was an entry in the Wario Land platformer series, and it was the second to last one, with the last one being the Wii one, Wario Land Shake It. So, wait, are these like 2D platformers? That I actually don't know a lot about the game, so okay. I'll defer to someone who's more Wario... experienced if they exist. <laughs> yeah, I've I've played I mostly played Wario Land Shake It for the Wii, and that is a side-scrolling game, and the graphics are great. It's almost like um, hand-drawn 2D animation. Um, oh, Wario nice. Land, yeah, War- Wario Land is more like a like a, it's 3D, but it's kind of isometric with a little bit of uh, um, platforming in that. And you know, you're basically just running around collecting jewels. Um, I don't have a lot of experience with the GameCube one. Like I said, mostly just the Wii. But uh, yeah, I I think that was the last Treasure game that they that the last game the Treasure made for Nintendo. I don't know. Don't call me on that. But, I'm looking uh, at screenshots of Warrior World, and it does look like it looks like it's you know it was it was that era for Nintendo that that they were pushing really hard on the open open world 3D stuff. Yeah, sorry for interrupting. No, no, that's fine. Um, huh? I it says it centers mainly on combating enemies, although it requires some platform navigation similar to Super Mario 64 and Super Mario Sunshine. Oh yeah, this is incredible! I I want now a 3D platformer starring Wario. Yeah, absolutely. well, there's Wario Land <laughs> for the That's... Virtual Boy. There, there's your 3D. Wow. Everything about it is 3D. <laughs> this, I want I want another like like legit like big budget Wario game of some sort. A non a non WarioWare yeah. game. I, mean, I, I I really love WarioWare and its aesthetics and its general kind of uniqueness of gameplay but at the same time i am sympathetic to the the massive internet horde of people who say it's been 10 years since a wario platformer give us another wario platformer i am i'm a little sympathetic to that yeah Yeah. just like and make it like wario and waluigi give give waluigi (laughs) as well shake Uh, it is really great i I really can't recommend it enough it's a really fun platformer and you play you play with the wii remote but you hold it sideways like a like a nintendo controller and you don't do much motion control with it. You just kind of shake it every now and then to kind of like, you know, shake enemies or shake bags of loot. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if you, if you have a Wii sitting around or you have a Wii U, definitely, if you can find a copy, pick it up. It's a lot of fun. I'll consider that. I just got uh, Kirby's Epic Yarn in the mail today, so. Nice. <laughs> you know, I've I'm, I'm, I'm invested heavily in the in the 10-year-old uh, Nintendo platformer market. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, there's yeah. someone cheap at GameStop now. The Warioverse, if you will. Um, so, Bones, what have you been playing? Well, as I've probably made clear uh, elsewhere on our website, I've been in Disneyland for the last week. <laughs> I just got back last night, so been very busy. Um, like leading up to the leading up to the the flight to California, I was like, okay, I can't start anything that will, you know, that's a a, a commitment or would, you know, that I'd want to keep playing. So I I couldn't start Mario Galaxy. I couldn't start uh, Persona Five. I I was basically paralyzed gameplay wise. Um, 
I did start playing Super Mario Brothers 2 on the Switch NES Online, which oh, is a, you know, yeah. it's, so a, that's, it's a, a vertically so the, the Lost Levels? Sorry, go ahead. No, sorry, it's, sorry about that. Um, it's, no, it's the, uh, it's the, it's the first, it's the Japanese one. Well, I guess it, it's Super Mario Brothers 2 USA. Is it the okay. first one? So the one that was Doki Doki Panic. Yeah, the, yeah, the one that. Well, it started. It started as Mario, and then it was scrapped as a Mario game, and it became Doki Doki Pack, and then it became Mario again. So it did start as a Mario game. That's a oh, deep, I, I actually didn't know that bit of its history. Yeah, yeah, no, it did start as a Mario game, and even even saying that aside, like obviously it's had a larger impact on the Mario universe than the Lost Levels did. You know, Birdo has carried over for a long time, mostly in spinoffs, but still. Yeah, <laughs> Shy guy. Who doesn't yeah. love guys? Wigglers are from Super Mario I think 2? Wigglers are introduced in World or 3. I'm not okay. sure. I'm I very think World. I'm yeah. pretty sure World. You folks would know way better than me. I haven't played very much of the classic Mario games. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just getting myself into it now. And yeah, so Super Mario Brothers 2 is a vertically oriented side-scrolling platformer without a timer, unlike, you know, most of the, the classic Marios. That that is a relief. <laughs> I yeah. especially especially after the month I spent playing Blinks, <laughs> which we won't talk about because I already dedicated a lot of time to that uh, to talk about that. We'll, we'll um, link that article in the link dump so people can watch you slowly lose your mind as you yes, play it. Thank you. <laughs> that is an accurate description. Um, but yeah, Mario Brothers Two is basically yeah. There's a lot of like the very first level is oh you're at the top of a cliff and you have to jump down the cliff and jump down for several screens before you start seeing enemies and start like seeing a world that you can traverse through. It's a really cool opening. <laughs> this is going to be the weirdest comparison, but you know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of how in Spec Ops the Line you're always descending. Yeah. It's like you're descending down into like platforming hell. Yeah, and <laughs> and Silent Hill 2 has the classic <laughs> sequence where you jump down a series of holes pretty late in the game uh, to to parallel James's uh, descent into madness. <laughs> I, but I, I don't think Mario Brothers 2 is particularly unreasonable in its design or anything. Um, it's hard, but <laughs> most games are hard for me. <laughs> yeah. um, this is the one where you can pick up and throw stuff, right? Yes. Yeah, you cannot... You cannot jump on the head of your enemy to kill it. You have to, you have to either pull uh, vegetables out of the ground and throw them, or you have to jump on the head of your enemy and then reach down and grab them so that, that you're slinging them over your shoulder, and then you throw them either off the edge or at another enemy. And for some reason, I just physically acted all of this out. That's <laughs> uh, fine. I, I use gestures all the time when I'm on the podcast, and I live alone, so nobody's watching them. <laughs> um, so, Andy, I did also. What, sorry, sorry, go I'm ahead. Sorry. Really wanted to quickly share this other thing, which is something kind of fascinating that I learned while I was at Disneyland. Um, so, we, we also went to Disney's California Adventure, which I was not aware was a, a distinct venture from Disneyland, but it is. It's right next to it. <laughs> And uh, there's a there's a big Pixar devoted section called Pixar Pier, right? Yeah. And uh, one of the attractions there is called Toy Story Midway Mania, which opened in 2008 and then got a slight uh, slight uh, redesign after Toy Story 3 came out. Um, so who, <laughs> here's hoping they added Key and Peele's 
circus characters and the and the living sport from Toy Story Four, right? Anyway, um, <clears throat> Toy Story Midway Mania is basically uh, it's a shooting a three D shooting gallery where you have this mounted gun that you have like a string that you pull on attached to it, uh, and you you're you're stopping at each of these like big electronic screens while wearing three D glasses, and you're shooting these. These um, varying size and varying point point amount uh, targets, and this was turned into a Wii game the next year after the ride opened, called just Toy Story Mania. Um, I have not played that that Wii version of the of this experience, but I can say I think the ride's probably more satisfying than the Wii game <laughs> because yeah, you're actually using like a immerse you in a room, room right? And... Yeah, you're in a room, you're moving around. There's exciting decorations everywhere. Um, and yeah, you're also using again using a physical mounted gun, and yeah, it's I just I suspect that the game <laughs> on its own is probably not very satisfying, but the ride's really fun. I wonder <laughs> so if I just they could like make a version of it for, for like, the Vive. <laughs> Pardon me. Sorry. I wonder if they could make a version of it for like the HTC Vive, and then you'd be able to play it in VR. I don't know if that would work. Oh, that's that is a legitimately great idea. Um, <laughs> um, which means talked, Disney will never do it. Cause... Yeah, we'll, we we've talked a lot in the games threads about yeah Disney, Disney doesn't have a dedicated video game division. The uh, the the people who cover the video games who cover like the production and marketing of the video games is their overall like marketing section. <clears throat> they don't yeah. have a dedicated section, and that's kind of why they don't still understand what's good, <laughs> what to do about video games. Yeah, and they used to have an internal game development house but that all shut down when they ended disney infinity so yeah now who knows what they're gonna do with all their licenses yeah <laughs> i uh i played a toy story 2 platformer on my dream my sega dreamcast when i was a kid that thing is hell to play but it was really cool i, I really wish that they would continue to do stuff like that isn't it bizarre though that like the best disney like modern disney video games are like kingdom hearts games where they just threw a bunch of anime boys in and that's like <laughs> the best version of a disney game you can play well i mean <laughs> t- talk to my partner library last or frankly me who i'm not as i'm not nearly as completely de- passionately devoted to disney as she is but i'm still a pretty big fan <laughs> talk to us about how we feel about how kingdom hearts represents disney sometimes <laughs> Not very but, well, but no. <laughs> as somebody who just sort of who hasn't seen that much yeah, but, Disney, but, but just the, absorbed yeah, the it. Fact that, the fact that, yeah, if you're looking for, you know, a high production, a high budget, you know, a lot of a lot of development time being put into rendering Disney worlds and being able to explore them, Kingdom Hearts is really your only option at this point. And that upsets us. <laughs> yeah, it's not I, just weird. <laughs> I will say... It's, it's, I'll say it, it works for someone like me who hasn't watched that many Disney films, but has just sort of absorbed them through cultural osmosis. Yeah, it just like it just recreates the feeling that that I think these films have, despite not having seen them. So it works for me, but I, I can imagine That's... it not working for someone who's a huge Disney fan. Yeah, no, I think that is a totally valid perspective to have on it. I can totally see why. Um... Yeah, if you're basically just touring something that you only know from a distance, then then it then it does feel like an interesting experience of it in its own right. And also, we all we all know your fondness for JRPG stuff <laughs> in general. Um, yeah, I'll I'll <laughs> I'll put up with a lot of bullshit if I can 
if if I enjoy sort of sort of the gameplay and and the exploration, yeah. and we'll get into exploration in a little bit. Um, but first, Andy, what have you been playing? Uh, so I've been playing, uh, according to the internet, the worst game of all time, Anthem. Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah, uh, so we had a chat about that on, on the podcast last time, and, and the mm-hmm. consensus seemed to be that it was okay, but not good as good as it needed to be. I don't know how you feel about uh, the game. Um, I mean, I, I really like it. Um, it. It's just, it's it's weird seeing all the negativity around it, because I just, I don't understand it. Um, I think, I don't know, it's it's weird. So, so like, I, I really like Destiny a lot. I thought that was a great game. And it started off rocky as well. Um, so I, I feel like Anthem's just going to kind of follow that same trajectory of like being kind of shit on when it first comes out, but eventually it'll get better. You kind of see that with Fallout 76 also. When it came out, it was just hated. And now they've kind of released their like game plan for the next, <clears throat> for all of 2019, and it might get a little bit better. So. We don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I just, for me, the thing of about Anthem hate that 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 kind of perplexes me is that it's not like a broken game no it's not it's a lot of fun to play i i you know what's funny is 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 everybody all not everybody but i've read articles that say like the best part is the flying and i think that's kind of bullshit i think the no it's like the worst part because the the flying doesn't get terrible um combat is great and i'm like now the combat's okay so it's like I've, i've got I almost wonder if people have even played it because <laughs> yeah. a lot of the negative things they'll say, it just, I'm not experiencing them. I, I, I don't know. I like my experience with the demo was that the combat was really solid. Um, and, you know, just on the ground movement through the world was really good. The world was really fun to explore. Um, but the flight controls were garbage. Apparently they've sort of fixed that in the, in the full release, but the flight controls in the demo were just garbage. Yeah, they're, they're bad. And, and I, they want you to fly around, but they keep putting all these obstacles in your way that hin- hinder your flying. So you'll be flying and you'll like bump into a cliff and you just immediately fall down. And it's like, okay, like this is like, why the fuck is that here? Why, why did you make these little tiny corridors for me to fly through? Yeah, yeah. that's not very satisfying. Yeah, if, if I just barely touch the wall, I'm instantly on the ground. It's like, okay, this is garbage. <laughs> yeah, so have you been playing it with, with friends, or have you been playing it just with randos? Uh, just playing with random people. Um, I, I think I... So here's... The thing about Destiny was you could play through the whole thing kind of by yourself, and you do a lot of missions alone, and you, know, you, can, get, you can get through the whole thing by yourself, and occasionally they'll put you into a, a group with people. Where it seems like with Anthem, every time you go on a mission, you're playing with other people. So, so I again, I read these things that said, you know, this game is horrible for solo players. You'll never get anywhere through the game. And I think that's just incorrect because I, I've been playing several missions with people and we always finish them. And I've never had a problem getting into a group of people. I've never had a problem with people not playing the game well. You know, we're all just kind of just playing together. And I really don't understand <clears throat> Yeah, my my thing with that is um, it's definitely, if you were the only person and you didn't have anyone else in your party, the game would be basically unplayable. Mm -hmm. Um, But it seems like for whatever reason, um, the game just is is good at pairing you up with people who are 
sort of taking it seriously. I I don't yeah. know exactly. That, that might just be because it's 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 still early. You know, maybe eventually people will kind of get sick of it. Maybe it'll get harder to meet people if the game just really gets bad. Um, but I've I've never had a problem with you know matching up with other players. I think the only way the only the only solo part that's going to be hard is there's a free roam mode that you can do where you just kind of like fly around the map and look for events to have happening. Yeah, uh, I did read an article that said that uh, uh, those are really difficult to do. Because I guess they put you in an instance with just three other people. So there's four of you on this giant map with no way to contact each other. And there's no kind of indication that an event is happening. So if you're in the middle of fighting a giant, you know, like epic boss or whatever, and you want people to come help you, you can't tell them, hey, come to this part of the map. You know, you just have to kind of hope you find your way towards them. I don't know. Uh, yeah, that's, it feels like that's kind of half-baked and... It feels like the entire game was sort of designed around, okay, you're going to get three other buddy, buddies to, to play with you, and then um, you'll coordinate like on Discord or Origin Chat or what have you, and then right. play it together. Uh, I, you know what I do love about the game is the, uh, the kind of the world building and the, uh, the characters. Um, again, I'm going to compare it to Destiny. In Destiny's hub world, where you kind of like hang out between... Uh, missions and, and quests and stuff, there isn't really a lot to do and there's nobody to talk to, right? Like, you just kind of, like, go from kind of different NPCs to buy your stuff or whatever. But in, in Anthem, the hub world that they have, it's a lot bigger than the hub world in Destiny. And uh, uh, there's constantly characters around that you'll meet and talk to. And uh, they'll have their own kind of, like... Some of them will give you quests and some of them will give you missions... Um, or contracts or whatever, and then there's some people who you're just learning a story about from. It's like there's this guy in the in the in the hub world, and uh, he's played by uh, Joe Latruglio from uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine yeah. in the state. Oh, nice. Yeah, and he's like this total asshole, and he all he does is talk <laughs> shit about everybody else in the hub world, and he's like, oh yeah, your your cipher uh, Owen is like. Did you know that he like fucked up in in cipher school or whatever? And you're just like, what? And then he's like, oh yeah, the 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 bartender. Like, did you know he did this? And he's just he's he's got all the like gossip and and shit about people in in, in the hub. And I don't know, it's funny. It's really funny. And I was surprised. Not only is he in this game, but uh, Kristen Shaw from uh, Bob's Burgers does a voice, and uh, Jack McBrayer is also in the game. Oh, nice. They got some. They got some real talent. Like. Kind of not not no disrespect. Kind of like the really popular B tier talent. Mm-hmm. No, I I think that's a completely fair descriptor. <laughs> As a big fan of all of those people. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so like I, I I like all those people. But that's and, a very um, stacked comedy cast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I I looked up the voices on IMDb, and those were the only three comedians that I saw or at least recognized. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the game is a lot of fun. I think it's. If if people stick with it, and if EA and Bioware don't give up on it, it's going to be fun, you know. And and it's what's funny about it is it's making me rethink my opinion of Fallout seventy six, which a game I've never played, but all I did was based all of my opinions on the kind of negative reaction to its launch. And so now I'm wondering, maybe Fallout seventy six is good. I don't know. Have have any of you played Fallout seventy six? I know a couple of people have it and say it's good. Um couple of, of community members on the avocado say say it's good 
Um, but I think the bigger backlash to Fallout 76 was mostly over just like the game being broken and full of glitches. Yeah. And Anthem does have bugs, but they're a lot less severe than Fallout okay. 76's. Yeah, I've had a couple of weird things happen in, in Anthem. There's there's one, so I don't want to get too like esoteric or whatever weird with it. But there's so when you get your loot, you have to go to this. Uh, you can go to this vault keeper or something like that, right? And you can uh, uh, you know break it down into materials to craft with. And uh, one of the things that, that happens to me in the game, and I don't know what it is, but so I'll, I'll be able to break down. Like maybe I'll have like ten guns, 10 new guns, and I want to break down, you know, eight of them into, into craftable shit. And so I'll be able to break down, like, two or three of them, and then the menu freezes. I have to back out of that vault and then go back into the vault, and then I can do three more, and then I have to back out because the game froze again. It's very odd. So that's the only real big issue I've, I've had with the game so far. Other than that, uh, no other yeah. Yeah. That I, I mean, that is a pretty serious bug. But it does sound like um, at least you're not getting, you know, frozen, uh, frozen enemies that just don't react or like T-posed enemies just floating <laughs> around the map and shit like that. Yeah, no, no. no I love T-poses. Not that weird. Oh, yeah. T-poses are almost sort of like scarier, you know? <laughs> if, they, if they like put them in the game seriously, then, then you know, I'm, I'm all for it. You know, yeah, have, I, have you ever seen those old like uh, I think they're like Chinese or Japanese vampire movies where uh, they, they just have their arms straight out in front of them and they hop around. I mean, yeah, the like, like, uh, yeah. Chung Chi, okay, like that. Yeah, it kind of reminds uh, me of that. Pardon my American, just <laughs> uh, oh, I don't know how to pronounce it either. I don't know a word of Chinese. Okay, um, yeah, the the Jiang Shi is the Chinese hopping vampire, and they're awesome. Yeah. They're the yeah. best. They had uh, the <laughs> DLC for, for Sleeping Dogs. One of them was just about a Changsha invasion in, in Hong Kong, and it's oh, yeah. hilarious. Yeah, one of um, the characters' skins in Overwatch is uh, their Halloween special. Is it Cheng Shi or yeah. whatever? Is it May? Uh, yeah. Skin? Okay, cool. Yeah. <clears throat> that, is, that is actually pretty funny. Um, and she looks very cute in her... Uh, you know, Vampire Chinese, Chinese <laughs> hopping zombie costume. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so as for what I've been playing, um, so I have been playing Kingdom Hearts, and uh, we don't need to talk about that because we'll talk about <laughs> Kingdom Hearts. Um, but I have been playing this indie game called When Ski Lifts Go Wrong. <laughs> it's an awesome title. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's it's sort of like, you know, Bridge Constructor? I don't know if you guys have ever played that. It's uh, sort of uh, like that, except for it's ski lifts instead of bridges. And the whole point is to build ski lifts to take skiers up a hill, and they have to avoid obstacles. You have to build your ski lift with enough, um, with few enough materials to kind of get it in under budget. Um, so... Remarkably the, the t- accurate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, having having spent time stuck on a dead ski lift, I can. I think, I think this game is right up my alley. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so it's. Does it simulate hypothermia? Uh, it it <laughs> simulates spinal injuries. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> that. 
Uh, but yeah, basically, if you're not careful and, and you just let the ski chairs slam into a tree, then you'll watch as the skier falls out of the chair and just kind of bends in half and then there's blood everywhere. My God. It's like a, this is a T-rated puzzle game. Um, <laughs> yeah, though no, that that sounds that this sounds like it would satisfy my uh, the the hole in my heart where roller tyco- roller coaster tycoon uh, being used exclusively to murder uh, <laughs> customers. Oh, I I was whenever I played roller coaster tycoon, I was ruthless. If yeah. I saw one customer in my in my park with a frown, I, what I used to do is I I would make a special drowning pool and fence it off anytime i saw a sad customer i just drop them in the pool and drown and the thing is the way the game calculates park ratings it depends on the sentiments of um of the of the current guests so if you drown unhappy guests you make the park your park rating go up mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it does it doesn't kind of murder scale in there to like uh, determine like your 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 sadist like a sadism level. That's what they <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think, it, track. I think it can ruin, like, your park safety record if you drown too many people. But uh, I think <laughs> too many you, people. Like, the gains from and park rating outweigh the safety concerns. So it's a good way to get your, your park rating up, at least in the short term. Anyway, back to would ski lifts go wrong. Um, so the main challenge in this game isn't so much completing the level because you can just use all the materials available to you and generally get the skiers really need to go. Um, the main challenge comes from trying to get it in under budget. And then you get special trophies for each level if you manage to to use few enough materials. Um, so it's, it's a nice little puzzle game. I, I wouldn't say, you know, go out and buy it right away. But if you're, if you're in for, if you want something that has sort of bite-sized challenges that you can complete on your commute or just play in bed... Uh, before going to sleep, you know, it's, it's that kind of game. And I, it's, it's also very good for, for handheld mode because it's touchscreen compatible. So if that's, if that's the kind of thing you want, then, then go for it. Is this for the Switch? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's on PC and Switch. I don't know about other platforms. Um, I've never played it in TV mode. I've only ever played it in handheld mode. <coughs> Is it just ski lips or are you, like, uh, trying to, like, run an entire uh, resort? Oh, it's it's just it's level based. So each okay. level is a new is building a new ski lift. Um, there are some levels where instead of building ski lifts, you're building jumps and ramps for downhill skiers. So that kind of sw- that kind of uh, mixes things up a bit. Okay. Um, and those are those are actually even harder because now you kind of control the skier as they go downhill. So you're in charge both of making sure that the the run is safe, but also that you kind of make the skier, the skier um, lean forward and lean back appropriately so that they, when they go through flips, they don't land on their heads. So there's a little bit of that in there as well. Um, That's which stressful. It's really fun to watch <laughs> skiers land on their heads. <laughs> I had, I had certain ex- uh, bad experiences with trying to ski when I was a kid. <laughs> So I, I don't think I would want to recreate that in video game form. You know, I grew up in Canada, and I've actually never been skiing. Mm. That's uh, that's a little bit shameful. Um, <laughs> I Do you did... at least like hockey? Sorry? Do you at least like hockey? 
I do like Hawkeye, though I haven't followed it in a long time. But like, I I did all the other skating stuff. I've been, I go. I used to go. Um, sorry, all the other winter stuff. I used to go sledding. I snowshoed. I was an avid snowshoer growing up, um, and I've been skating many, many times. I can do all of that. I've just never been skiing, neither cross country nor downhill. Um, so I've never had the experience of just like being on a chairlift and getting smashed into a tree and breaking my spine, um, which is, you know, a common Canadian rite of passage. So this traumatic spinal injury. Yeah. I, I mean, all my, like all my friends have of growing up had like some skiing or snowboarding injury. Um, one of my friends used to have like this giant scar on her arm from when she crashed snowboarding and it was such a bad injury that the bone poked through the skin. Ah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry for uh, grossing you folks out. Um, uh, yeah, I, I ran into a tree. So just for fun or, or well? <laughs> well, I mean, it was kind of fun. I think so. Um, I actually I mean, right do up have... until the sudden stop. Oh, yeah, that'll hurt. I actually do have a running into a tree story related to video games. Um, so you guys remember when Pokemon Go was, was huge and everybody was playing it? Yeah, yeah. No, nobody remembers that. Um, <laughs> so I was just running in the in the park near where I lived one day. And I saw this one lady. She had her phone in hand, and she was happily playing Pokemon Go. And I just saw her. She was like happily trying to pursue a Pokemon, and she just ran straight into a bush and oh, disappeared. No. I did see what happened to her. So I think she lives in the bush now. <laughs> I live here now. This yeah, is home. I'm it's not a Pokemon spot. That, 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 it's that my bush now. When when Pokemon Go first came out, and uh, it was it was what got my older brother Sean back into uh, into Pokemon because the last Pokemon he, game he had played before that was Pokemon Blue, <laughs> the original. Um, yeah, he got into Pokemon Go, and my parents, my specifically my dad, asked. Oh, that's still a thing, Pokemon. <laughs> that that's that that that's still around. I I had to look him in the eyes and said, "This is a multi-billion-dollar franchise." <laughs> yes, it's still around. Um, yeah, I think I think my my parents have like this vague awareness of Pokemon. Like they know who Pikachu is, and they and like my mom might know who who like Ash Ketchum is, mm-hmm. but. Beyond that, I don't think they... They asked me about Pokemon Go. They asked me if I was playing it. And I was like, no, sorry, mom and dad. Because they know I'm into video games. So whenever <laughs> something makes the news, they ask me if I know about it. Have you but... been fording the night? Pardon me? I'm sorry. I was doing an impression of, a, of an older relative asking if you have been fording the night. Oh, Because that the joke night? isn't old yet. I'm um, sorry. <laughs> no, my sister asked me about Fortnite, and I had to explain the whole story of Fortnite to her. I had to uh, explain Fortnite to Wolfman, too. <laughs> yeah. I need to explain Fortnite to me. Um, <laughs> I can do that. Long story short, was supposed to showcase Unreal Engine 4, came out to mildly positive reviews, but not many people played it. Then they copied the Battle Royale mod from PUBG, and it blew up because it was free to play, and now all the teenagers play it. Okay, yeah. cool. Well, no, that's Fortnite in a nutshell. I've never played a second of Fortnite, but I Sorry, tried PUBG on my phone, and all it did was make my phone really hot. <laughs> I yeah, I don't think PUBG could possibly run on a phone, even I if it allegedly can. I have an iPhone 5C. If I try to 
just like open a browser on my phone. I crash it. Oh, no. Because websites eat up so much RAM these days. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's what I've been playing and also a rant about Pokemon Go. Um, so one thing I wanted to discuss is before we get into sort of the meat of this of this episode is a Nintendo Direct happened, I guess, last week now or week before. I've lost track of time. It's actually, it's two weeks ago now. Uh, oh, two almost weeks. two weeks. Oh, okay. Almost as, two weeks ago. As of ago. this recording. All right. Uh, so by the time you hear this, it, it happened four months ago. Um, <laughs> and uh, so this was an interesting presentation from from Nintendo because they put out, like, they're, they're kind of the usual announcements you'd expect. Like, oh, there's a demo out for Yoshi's Crafted World. Uh, there's footage from the new Fire Emblem game. Like, everybody's expecting this sort of stuff. But then they had this surprise that's kind of taken the internet by storm, which is essentially Tetris Battle Royale. It's called Tetris 99. Um, I don't know. Have any of you guys been playing it? Uh, yeah, I have. Uh, I thought you were talking about some old Super Nintendo game. Um, we'll no, so they, they've made a Tetris game, which you try to compete to be one of the last people standing. And the way you compete against the other players is you can send like junk bricks and target other players and screw them over. Well, that's just multiplayer Tetris. That's how, like, if you played two-player Tetris, if you got, you know, if you got a or whatever it is you got four lines in a row you'd screw over you know you'd drop a whole bunch of pieces on your opponent and screw them over yeah but yeah, now, now there's a hundred of them yeah it's imagine doing that with, with 99 other people <laughs> and you can pick whom to target so if you really hate the number 37 for some reason you can and be like I fuck do. you 37 I've been playing it how do you choose who to send it to I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I've not been playing it at I all. I play Luminous Remastered uh, in my off time, and that game by itself I find extremely overwhelming and difficult personally. I don't think I could possibly handle multiplayer Tetris. I'll try it because it's free, and I already have online, but <laughs> but I will be decimated, I am certain. It's a lot I don't imagine ever finishing higher than 90th place if I were to yeah, play that game. Right? <laughs> uh, I, I, I've made it to a number seven. Oh, nice! Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. It, so, have you? What do they call it when you win? Do they call it Tetris Royale? What do they call it? Uh, I, I don't know. I've never won, <laughs> so I haven't found out yet. Blocky, um, blocky, blocky, something. I don't know. Winner, winner, <laughs> blocky dinner. Yeah, winner, 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 winner L block dinner. Yeah. Player unknown Tetris. <laughs> That's basically what it is. It's, yeah. I just. I think it's, I know, I know we're all like bragging on the Battle Royale genre these days, but I'm genuinely happy that they've taken this, this by now overused concept and made something cool with it. Totally. Yeah. No, so, I'm not, I'm not completely opposed to the, to Battle Royale. I wish it wasn't quite as dominant as it was, but you know, like I, bef- bef- like before Fortnite even became a thing, I was watching PUBG videos just kind of casually and I didn't think that it was ever going to be a big deal. <laughs> I think that's the but problem I, I with Battle Royale is nobody's really doing thing. anything different with it until Tetris came out. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, like, I guess Apex Legends. Well, uh, there's not enough iteration on the concept for sure. Yeah, right. Apex Legends made it squad based, correct? That's that's what I understand, right? It's kind of like a it's like a squad based battle royale game. 
Yeah, I mean, I that's, they... that's like a, a small tweak on the formula, which I which Well, you, I have, you can have teams in PUBG, too. Yeah. Sorry, but... Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, but at but the it... end, though, do you have to like turn on your teammates if you kill everybody else, though? No. no. You... Uh, awful Squad has taught me that you can make it all the way through. And yeah, you Awful Squad was through. the videos I was watching. Yeah. <laughs> <that> I <was laughs> referred. Okay. I should I should probably try a battle royale at some point. I, there's just these genres that have completely passed me by. All these these obsessions that that popped up in, in the industry. So I missed the MOBA train. I didn't hop on that. I didn't jump on the hero shooter craze. I've completely missed out on on battle royale. Um, I feel I feel super old when I say that. I'm in my twenties. I don't. <laughs> Well, that's the problem with these with these flash in the pan kind of like genre, the genres that come out it, is it has a very specific window of time that you can actually enjoy it at its height, and then after yeah. that it's just kind of like um, only the hardcore are left. And if you aren't part of that, it's like if you haven't been playing, uh, you know, like for example, if you haven't been playing Dota two since it came out, and you try to play it now, you're gonna get fucked. You know, that's kind of how yeah, it and yell that in Russian. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. I only just got Overwatch late in 2018, and, like, I, I really enjoy it. I'm really happy with the game. It's not, like, as someone who grew up playing first-person shooters and then took a long break from them, um, this is pretty much the most satisfying way to get back into it with this, you know, big, kind of wacky, not super well-developed, but but interesting world and, full, and characters. Um, yeah, I, 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 I really enjoy it, but I can palpably feel that, oh... I already missed the perfect window for actually playing this just because yeah. I didn't have a something that could run it. Yeah, for me it's always been that I've always I've, I've kind of gravitated more towards single player first person shooters. Um so I miss out all these multiplayer crazes. Um, cuz I just I haven't played that much multiplayer since I was a kid. My my big multiplayer game as a kid was Command and Conquer Renegade. Um, which was I mean, I still think it's one of the greatest multiplayer modes of all time, uh, but you know, it didn't really train me to go be good at at fragging noobs. It trained me to <laughs> stand beside, stand behind a tank and, and fire a healing gun at it. So <laughs> that's valid. You are valid. Yeah, I, I am a valid FPS player. I <laughs> I say as I fire a healing gun at the building that my enemies are trying to blow up <laughs> um so a couple of other interesting announcements in that direct um a new box boy game which looks adorable yes um library last had never heard of box boy before that direct but we were really excited that we could play it together <laughs> yeah i'm i i just i think the characters just look adorable um yeah so that's that's gonna be enough to carry me it's it, a really it reminds... cute art style i did not realize that it was how laboratory that was a shock to me. I had heard of the yeah. series, but um, it's strange that they're, as far as I can tell, doing better with this series that only started a couple of years ago uh, than Kirby. <laughs> to me, like in terms of in terms of actual like design and and, iter- and like improving your design over time, it seems that Box Boy is improving itself continually in a way that Kirby hasn't it's for some time. Well, what was yeah. the last Kirby game that you liked? <laughs> let's let's maybe save that conversation <laughs> for another time. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Uh, I, I, I will say 
I I tried the demo for was it Kirby All Stars or whatever the Star Switch Rapid. one is, mm-hmm. and uh, it was. Uh, let me put it this way. I felt like it could be a fun game if I were playing it and fucking around with friends, but just as a solo experience, eh, I don't need to buy this. Yeah, Star Allies is pretty boring. Like it's it's just it just amounts to AI doing half your work for you. Star Allies, that's work. what it's called. Yes. Kirby All Stars. What was I even thinking? Um, okay, I mean, yeah. There is basically a Kirby All-Stars. <laughs> it was the, the 20th anniversary dream collection. <laughs> anyway. Okay. I, I was going to say, there aren't that many characters in Kirby. Is it just like, if, if what would an All-Star Kirby game look like? It was just like Kirby and, oh, well, and it's Meta Knight and DDD? Well, it's a, it's, a collection of, it's a collection of all of the games from uh, the early 90s through, uh, through the N64 one. But, um, but no, okay. Kirby, DDD, Meta Knight, uh, Bandana D is beloved. <laughs> oh, I didn't so, know there were beloved Kirby characters. Yeah, no, oh yeah. Um, Star no, Allies is kind of an all-star game because you can, um, there's like uh, these temples that you go to where you can like recruit uh, characters from previous Kirby games. And yeah. part of their Nintendo's launch, uh, you know, games as a service thing that they kind of do for some of their games out where they launch dlc free dlc throughout the entire year was like every three months you got three or four new characters to add to the kirby game and they took them from all different uh uh games in the series there's like that uh there's like a hamster named rick that mm-hmm. came in and the, yeah, they, that, did, the they did nine months worth of, of of free updates which included yeah. an entire new like single player campaign um, yeah, wow that's actually I, I like how Nintendo's been sort of doing this this post launch support on the Switch. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like they, they they took Mario Tennis Aces from this relatively bare bones experience to like just adding characters and features left, right and center. Yeah. Um, I do wish in some of those cases that the content was more substantial from the get go. Yeah. And not being sure. fixed in post. But uh but no, it, yeah. with, with Kirby it was really cool that like yeah. Yeah, you had nine months of just oh just adding more beloved characters that probably haven't been seen in a while in a lot of cases. Marks. You get you get to have Marks as as a play as a player character and ally. This is not uh Karl Marx Merv. Um, I was I was gonna say I I, I love how you, love how you, you turned to me as to, to be the guy who could raise that objection. Um no, they should put they should put like old famous philosophers in in like fighting games and shit. Totally, no, I would play the shit out of that. Um, but like, yeah, no, Kirby actually has a pretty substantial cast of characters. I just wanted to clarify that. Okay, good. <laughs> um, and I look forward to uh, his next appearance where he fights Socrates because that's. Kirby. <laughs> Wasn't there an SNK fighting game where uh, you did play as old historical figures? Was it World Heroes? Maybe I don't know. I think it was like if, they I should think... make a gender bend version, like they did with tag team heroines. Oh uh, yeah, be... with girl Terry. Yeah, actually, uh, uh, one game that does have old historical figures that's kind of weird is the Fate games. Did you ever play Fate Extella for the PS4? No, sorry. It's 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 a it's like kind of like Dynasty Warriors where you just kind of move from area to area, beating the 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 crap out of a bunch of bad guys. <laughs> but you play. I feel like you play as gender bended versions of historical figures. So I, I like I want to say maybe Christopher Columbus is in there, but a girl, and uh, I don't, it's it's very weird. 
I'm not sure. Yeah, this is this is a realm I'm pretty unfamiliar with. I'm sorry, I can't help you. That's, uh, you know what? They 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 should just make more more fighting games with with famous people. I, I absolutely more games in general. There are fighting games with deities. Those are kind of fun. Nice oh, in, yeah. in a nice blasphemous sort of way. Oh yeah, they have Smite, which has yeah. like I mean that's a MOBA with deities. Um, oh, there's a there's a fighting game. I, for, I forget what it's called, but where you can you know you you can beat the crap out of uh, somebody with stone tablets as Moses and oh wow <laughs> yeah I, for, I keep forgetting that um, like especially in Japanese games where using, yeah, it's a Japanese game definitely yeah using Judeo-Christian imagery in that way isn't considered taboo necessarily which uh, I think is you awesome, get all personally. this yeah I mean <laughs> like I have no I, I wasn't raised Christian so I have no um, I have no skin in this game um, but I, I do think it's interesting that they they do use that imagery in that way, which you would never see in an American game, for instance. Yeah. Um, other stuff that was cool from the direct. Um, what do you guys think of Astral Chain? I'm gonna play it. I think it looks dumb as shit, but <laughs> but I love and respect Platinum Games on a on a base gameplay design level so much that I'll probably at least. I don't know. (laughs) I'd like to give it a shot. I just hated everything I saw, like character-wise and (laughs) dialogue-wise. I, 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 I've been calling it like Hot Cops the game. Yeah, Um, that's basically what it is. But I do like the idea of having a guess nanotech dog that you have on a whip and throw at people. Mm -hmm. I, I don't even know what what it is. Did they use a dog in Metal Gear Rising? Yeah, um, but it's the dog made of nanotech. <laughs> there's <laughs> there's a dog in Metal Gear Five. Uh, I <laughs> I get no, Platinum, this. Platinum made a, a a Metal Gear game where you played as uh, oh. right, and he had like oh, yeah. a hot dog. Revengeance. I, yes, <laughs> Rising <laughs> Revengeance, which I, I forgot Platinum made that. You're right. I apologize. Yeah, that's the that's the one that had the weird ass slicing system where you could just like. Slice a watermelon into 18 pieces or some yeah. shit like that. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes, as an articulated slicing system. That, yeah, that's, that's the word I was looking for. Articulated slicing. Um, yeah, that, I, I don't know what to think. I, I think it looks dope, but it doesn't take much to make me think something looks dope. So I'm, I'm totally down for, for Hot Pant Police, the game. Um, we'll see. Also, I really like that apparently you can put on a dog mascot costume and pick up trash. Yes, I did enjoy that part. So that's... that's Already um, game of the year. Yeah. It looks like a 90s anime. That's what I like about it. Yeah. Like a really early 90s, late 80s anime with, you know, something like Bubblegum Crisis or something like that. Or the kind of OVA where there's a lot of gratuitous profanity only in the English dub. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have seen that Pro ZD skit where he compares like fan subs to regular subs. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yeah. The like fuck you, Sasuke skit. Um, we're gonna Sasuke, Sasuke. Yeah, we're gonna put that in the link dump. Um, Excellent. Yeah. Sorry, I, I actually don't know much about Boruto's dad. Um, <laughs> so, um, what else do you guys find interesting from the direct? I love that it started 
they, they just went in and kicked kicked the year off, not counting like the various tweets that happened in January. They kicked the year off with uh, approximately ninety seconds worth of just Super Mario Maker Two. Here's all the new shit you can do in it. It's coming in four months. Fuck you. It's coming in four months. That is a good way of putting it. Um, that was a really nice surprise. Yeah, yeah. that slopes. Yeah, now slopes you can slide down shit. Big thing. <laughs> Um, but you know, there's a lot of Mario awesome has a cat. Content. I and I was <laughs> Mario as a cat will always be good. Mario, and not only Mario now, but also Toadette and Luigi. <laughs> I guess oh, Luigi yeah. could already do it in 3D World. But anyway, um, they have Toadette cat costumes. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh my they, gosh, they show That's it. Awesome. They only show it in the uh, the uh, promotional like title card that they have. But yeah, you have Toadette in the uh, in the cat suit. Okay. Um, which, yeah, there's been a lot of speculation about uh, like what kind of multiplayer extent it might have because of them showing off Luigi and Toadette and stuff. So that's fun. You know, we've we already know a lot of new features, but we don't know everything. There's still some mystique to everything, and also just in general, just want to very proudly point out that in the 2D Mario franchise festival, I literally said Mario Maker 2 is probably happening really soon. <laughs> And it's coming. I I hope they don't require the online service to to share and download levels. I am certain they will. Yeah, I'd say that's a given. Uh, (laughs) It's unfortunate. I I respect why someone would want to opt out on the basis of that alone. But they're absolutely going to do that. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so I guess I'm not getting more Maker 2. Like the Mario Odyssey balloon thing. You, I, I don't know how familiar any of you are with that, but there was there was a post a post launch um, update to Mario Odyssey that lets you um, basically like uh, either search search for collectibles that other people place somewhere in the levels, mm-hmm. or place your own collectibles and have other people look for them. And um, yeah, I couldn't access that on the because so Library Last and I share a Switch, right? And we have three main accounts on it. And one of them has online, but it's not shared across all three accounts because we ha- we like to have distinct um, playthroughs on things sometimes, and that's the only way you can do, you can do that uh, sometimes. So so the so the account that I played Mario Odyssey on does not have online, so that account cannot access the Luigi's Balloon game whatsoever. Oh, no. Even though it's just it's just yeah like data files, it's not an act an active. Direct sure. uh, online interaction, so I'm certain that's what they're doing with Mario Maker too. Yeah, and that was that was a pretty boring online. Oh, feature, I love even it. when it was I, free. <laughs> when I tried it, I thought that was really awesome. Personally, <laughs> I'm a big fan of it, but I also had hide and seek. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I played I, it for about 20 minutes. I'm like, okay, um, found the balloon. I'll go hide the balloon and correct me if I'm wrong. Go into the but... ether and. Perhaps somewhere, someone in some distant land in some distant future will find my balloon. Why do I care? <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, but if I recall correctly, wasn't like when you interact with Luigi to to start the gate to start that that activity? Isn't he like being held up by balloons? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I yeah, didn't imagine that he's just kind of like. Yeah, he's he's kind of like floating a few feet off the ground, yeah. and he's almost like lying down and. Or lying on his stomach, but in in midair. Yeah, okay, I didn't imagine that. Okay, good. Because oh, if I just imagined that, I, I'd be a little worried. No, you did. 
It's all <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure Freud would have something to say about that. Um, you know, sometimes uh, a Luigi in a balloon is just a Luigi in a balloon. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, this is a judgment-free zone. No one... No one's going to tell you that you can't think about Luigi in whatever way you like on your own time. <laughs> that's uh, that's the only mean, that's the only podcast I'm I'm willing to be on. <laughs> add a wah in front of it, and, and I'll go wild. That's all. God damn it. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was that was a direct. Showed off a bunch of stuff: Super Mario Maker Two, Tetris Ninety Nine, Hot Cops. You know, it's all good stuff. Yeah. Um, Zelda, so, Zelda remake oh, is pretty cool. Oh yeah, they're remaking a Zelda. And oh yeah, Chibi. Yeah, yeah it's, it's probably the biggest thing of the of the direct. <laughs> yeah, it's basically. Oh yeah, I kind of glossed over that, didn't I? Because I'm not like a Zelda fan, so I'm just like, ah, oh, whatever. Yeah, it's not. Uh, it's not just Chibi, but it's basically like I'm not the first person to make this comparison. It's basically like the '70s rake and bass stop motion style, which is a really cool way to continue iterating on this like this craft design philosophy that they've been doing for years with Yoshi and, and whatnot. Oh, I can't wait to play Zelda's shiny new year. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm excited. (laughs) It's it's cool. I I like the way it looks. It's almost like they took toys and photographed them and, and they're moving. You know what I mean? Rankin Bass. Yeah. That's exactly what, what, what Bone said. Yeah. Um, Well, I mean, given, given the, uh, I guess the, kind of the conceit of the game in general um makes sense it's it's it'd be a neat aesthetic to, to check out yeah using using the toyetic <laughs> aesthetic for this particular um entry of the series makes a lot of thematic sense for reasons that we won't get into because we're not going to spoil this 26 year old game that's getting yeah replaced. spoiler alert We've we've spoiled a lot of stuff by accident on this podcast. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we always put spoiler warnings in the link dump. I, I'm pretty diligent about that. Yes. Um, but sometimes things slip through the cracks because I'm not paying attention or I don't consider certain things to be spoilers. So, sorry, guys. Um, so, yeah, that was the direct. Um, Sorry, be- before we move on to that, there's other Nintendo news too with oh, yeah. uh, Reggie. Oh yeah, oh, Reggie. Yeah. Reggie Fizeme is uh, retired as. Yeah, he's getting will be replaced by a guy April. named Samus. It's pretty cool. Yeah, Bowser. Bowser. Oh, Bowser. Yeah, Doug yeah, Bowser. Yeah, Doug Bowser. <laughs> um, yeah, so Reggie May is retiring as head of Nintendo of America. Can we say nepotism? <laughs> for for Doug Bowser getting yeah, Doug getting Bowser, the job. Yeah. Um, that's, it's more like a considering Bowser's status in the Mushroom Kingdom. It's more like a hostile takeover. Um, <laughs> no, no, you see, this isn't this isn't a, this isn't a, this isn't one of the main members of the Koopa family. This isn't the patriarchal Bowser or any of his 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 numerous belligerent children. This is this is his cousin Doug Bowser who yeah. went to accounting school. <laughs> He's very. Right, I'm passionate. Doug Bowser, my CPA. Nice to meet and yeah, uh, he was like apparently be... Reggie's actual protege in the years that he's been at Nintendo. Like he was like handpicked for this for replacing him. Yeah, it seems like you'll be a good dude. I'm um, sure you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, by the way, that does sound like a plot from like the from the upcoming unannounced uh, Paper Mario game. Yes. Where, like Mario and Luigi run into somebody who looks like Bowser. He's like. No, my name's Doug. I don't know what my, my cousin's up to. Sorry, guys. Um, 
and then he becomes like your he's like the banker in that game or something. Yeah, no, I desperately want to Mario RPG with Doug Bowser now. <laughs> and uh, and the guy, you know, the the internet's been aflame for the last few days since this announcement, but but like the guy was already leaning into the joke like not that long after he was hired. Like he wears a team Bowser shirt at publicity events sometimes. <laughs> I I like I like that they have I mean, you know, it's it's corporate, it's marketing, and that's yeah. We 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 can talk about about the ethics of that at length, uh, oh, but I do like people who sort of lean into to the role and ha- and have fun with it. Yeah, um, yeah. Nintendo's always good for that. Yeah, and nothing else is just it's just fun to see. Yeah, um, to see the, them engage with the fans that way. Um, yeah, so that's what's been up with with Nintendo. This is your your weekly. Nintendo update, I guess. Um, and now uh, let's move on to discussing the meat of this podcast, or what we originally all convened to talk about, which is exploration and how we interact with game spaces. So by exploration, we mean how we travel through a game world and how we interact with it. Um, so... What I want to know from from you folks is which game worlds and levels have you most kind of just enjoyed moving through and and, and experiencing? Uh, um, I'll start. Yeah, go ahead. I uh, when you when you when you brought it up, the first thing that came to mind was um, uh, Mario Kart sixty four, and in the uh, the Royal Raceway, um, the one with Peach's Castle, you can actually drive off the course and explore her castle in your cart. Like, you're going to lose the race because everybody's going to pass you up. But you could actually, like, move off. And I thought that was really cool. Um, I, I like games where you can you can find something that's off the pathway that you're supposed to be and 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 kind of explore, almost like you weren't supposed to be there. So. Yeah, I like games that sort of give that sense of, I mean... You know they know you're they know you're breaking the rules in this way, but I like games where it feels like you can sort of um, break the rules. Like yeah, that. and I think what's sad is is in later versions of that track of that course that they'll make. I think in Mario Kart Eight and and it might be in Seven also. Um, they actually closed off the castle, so you can't drive around in it anymore, and I, that really bummed me out. That's a shame, um, but yeah, that's one thing I enjoy is being able to sort of break the bounds of what I'm supposed to be able to do and just kind of mess around. Um, what are the, what other worlds and levels have you guys really enjoyed just kind of exploring? Well, um, um, you go, go ahead. Well, I, I'm, I'm reminded we were talking about, uh, the, um, Mario Kart 64 where you actually can go off the map and explore around. There was a, uh, old, old rumor, I'm going to, you know, date myself, because I am old, as old as this rumor. <laughs> but uh, in the original Battlezone arcade game, um, I don't know if you guys remember that or not, but there was a, in the in the background of that game was a little volcano, a little erupting volcano, which was, you know, just a little triangle, a little dot shooting out of it. And there was a persistent rumor for years that you could just drive, uh, you keep, uh, keep on going in that game, uh, until you hit that volcano, and you could drive up the side of the, cal- the volcano, down into the caldera, and drive around in a little castle that was supposed to be inside. Uh, 
none of that was true, unfortunately. Like you, you really can't go anywhere in that game, but it uh, uh, it actually prompted uh, the developers to add the, the little homing missiles that will seek out seek you out and blow you up if you dork around too much in the level without <laughs> without engaging in the enemy tanks. Battlezone's a great game. I love Battlezone's it. great. I have never heard of that game. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. I'm a child. Wait, how old is this game? Uh, 80, 80 or eighty one, something like that. It's an old arcade game where you oh, wow. are okay. you are a tank. So it's a, it's a vector game, meaning that. Oh, I remember those. Yeah, the, all the all the the graphics are just lines connecting to other lines, you know, a la asteroids or tempest or games like that. Um, and you had to you you it was a first person you know three D game where. You know, what, what, at, at a time where something like that would be pretty mind blowing. I um, I kind of got introduced to the genre through um, these. Remember those those old Java applet games you used to have in the in the late nineties, early two thousands, and it was really cool because <laughs> you could run a game in your browser, and that was mm-hmm. super revolutionary. Um, but they the only things they could clone at those times were these old kind of vector games that weren't very processor intensive. So that's how I got introduced to the genre. Yeah. Um, but yeah, th- those were those were interesting. Um, they're very, very they're from a very different time. Yeah, for a different time, a completely different way of drawing graphics. Instead of rasterizing your screen, you have just, in my opinion, what are just absolutely gorgeous, you know, perfectly straight lines connecting, uh, you know, to other lines, kind of to to, to build the objects in the game. Uh, it was really cool what they did to create the illusion of three three dimensionality, mm-hmm. and they did it really well, which um, kind of blows my mind to this day. I kind of want to see a modern take on that now, but I don't know how well it would play with modern audiences. I mean, there, there are games that kind of emulate the uh, the style. Um, I mean, Geometry Wars is a pretty pretty famous example of that of that style of game. Um, well, Geography uh, Wars is more like, <clears throat> I don't know, I haven't played it, but it's more like a 2D-ish, I don't know. Yeah, well, a lot of these were 2D games. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. Um, like Asteroid is, is what I'm thinking of right. in, in that realm. Um, yeah, so um, one game one game world that, I, that stuck with me that I've explored a lot of, because I've played this game many, many times... Um, I loved the Hong Kong level in the first Deus Ex. I don't know if you guys have played... You folks have played Deus Ex, right? Uh, have? Yeah, a long time ago. It's been a while, but yeah, it was a great game. So I'm going to spoil a bit of a by now 19-year-old game. <laughs> um, so most of the game, it seems like you're in... Like, it doesn't deviate that much from a standard FPS. Like, you have RPG elements. Um, so what, that much was revolutionary for, revolutionary for its time. Because, you know, you didn't, you didn't think of, of these, these kinds of games existing back then. Um, but what wasn't... But it, it's very... The structure of the game up until then is very mission-based. Like, you have to go to point A and accomplish B task, etc. And there are branching paths to get to it, but you, you're 
essentially just doing missions all the way up until you hit Hong Kong and then the game just massively opens up. And now the and now it starts feeling more like a sandbox you can play around in. And you know, I remember the music that plays in the background in there, the the music's very memorable. Uh you're finally going around just like talking to people instead of firing your gun at them and shooting them. Um although there is a bit of talky bits earlier that this is really the, the first time where it feels like um, where it feels like you can kind of go anywhere and do anything. Um, so that that's what's memorable to me about it is just being able to it's it's the context of not having that freedom and then all of a sudden having that freedom that made exploring that that kind of level interesting. Um, Bones, oh, anything that you found super interesting to to explore? Um. So a big uh, a big game that I I loved playing with my mom when I was a kid was uh, the original Beyond Good and Evil. Um, oh wow, yeah, yeah. Um, I love the setting of Beyond Good and Evil. I love it's it's this alien planet called Hillis, right? And yeah, you have just a wonderful amount of environmental variety. You have this basically like quasi Mediterranean city that you can go to and go to different shops and talk to all the people. But there's also these caves and mines full of but charmingly bizarre wildlife often very creepy or or you know just always unique unique monsters and animals to observe and take photos of <laughs> god i love the the photography in that game um it was uh it was an interesting game for me when i played it because mm-hmm. um i made the mistake of playing it on PC with mouse and keyboard, which really wasn't designed for. Oh, no, for. it's not. <laughs> um, I did not have a gamepad at the time when I played that game. Um, but yeah, it, what really struck me about the world is that, you, you're right, it has like all this variety, but it also kind of feels like a coherent world. Like I could imagine all these things existing side by side. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it all it all comes together really well. And there's a... There's a bit it, towards the end game where you've 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 been upgrading your hovercraft for for ages at this point, and now finally um, you have the entire the entire world map that you can all they can explore at once. Uh, just to, to it's it's not um, you know you've you've basically explored all of the main environments individually in sequence you know over the course of the various story missions, but you just come to this point where you can go to any Anywhere, all at once, anytime, um, leading up to, oh, now I'm going to go into space and fight the bad guys or whatever. And that just, that, <laughs> there was just something about that. Just um, the, like, I, I found that, I found the progression system really satisfying of gradually, you know, like, you have to work to, work to earn the uh, the upgrades to your hovercraft and to your, um, to your, in your uh, outside the hovercraft exploratory elements as well, um, but yeah, just yeah, it's just it's, it's just a very satisfying experience, and, it, and it's a wonderful world to to experience in its charm and variety. And, and it's almost Metroidvania ish yeah. in the way that you keep unlocking upgrades to your hovercraft that allow you to explore more and more of of the world and unlock new levels yeah i think metroidvania is a really apt comparison that i would have never have thought to consider before now because i wasn't cognizant of a lot of broader gaming stuff until very recently (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, I, I admit that like my my views are skewed by only playing like a subset of genres. If you start talking about comparisons to like strategy games, I, I'm yeah. out. Um, but yeah, it, it's a it, it's it's a world that I, I I mean, full disclosure, I wasn't a huge fan of the game on the whole, but mm. it's a world that I would love to revisit, and I'm interested to yeah. see how they handle it in, in the sequel, which I guess is a prequel. I'm not entirely sure. It's a prequel. It's yes. Prequel, but yeah. I, I cannot, I cannot in good faith comment on beyond good and evil two in any sort of like reasonable way. So I'm just not going to, <laughs> it's, I just, it's just something that I'm too personally invested in. You know, I can keep myself at a remove in a lot of situations, but to some extent, uh, but the, yeah, that one, well, we welcome subjectivity. On I, this podcast. Yeah, no, I re- I realize that, but it's, it's a, it's a, case where i just i don't want to let myself get too intense about it <laughs> well, that's fair uh, um what i'll say is i think they're they're going more more like space exploration with this and I, is this gonna sound weird i'm gonna miss the hovercraft yeah. i'm gonna miss the feeling of just the the well, it wasn't exactly leisurely but i'm gonna miss the feeling of just kind of boating between islands and, and messing around that way yeah. um and and i wish i they'd kept some some version of that but we'll see what they do with it. Yeah, it could be interesting. Um, as long as they don't no man's sky it, I think they can do something interesting <laughs> with space exploration. Um, so a couple of other worlds that I think were were super interesting, and I don't know how how you folks feel about these. Um, I really like what what the Deus Ex sequels did with their kind of big hub worlds. So let's forget about Invisible War. We can just all forget that it ever existed. Um, Human Revolution did really well with both Detroit and Hensha, I think. Um, I don't know. Have you guys played Human Revolution or Mankind Divided? Uh, I've all, personally only ever played the first game. Okay. I haven't played um, any. <laughs> I'm sorry. I would highly recommend Deus Ex and Human Revolution. Invisible War, I would recommend against playing. And Mankind Divided... I'd recommend if you really like Human Revolution. Um, what I'll say is, what they what they do sort of in um, in the Deus Ex sequels is they give you that freedom that you get from Hong Kong in the original Deus Ex right from the get go. So you're you're pretty much after the first mission dropped in the middle of Detroit, and you have to find you can pretty much just navigate anywhere you want in this in this hub world. And, and figure out how to do missions accordingly. And similarly, when you get to Hengsha, which is um, in the lore of the game, uh, imagine a layered city sort of built on top of Shanghai, the existing Shanghai. That's what it is in, in the lore of the game. Um, this game also takes place in like the late 2020s. So apparently in seven years, there'll just be a giant floating city over over Shanghai. Um, Can't wait. Yeah. <clears throat> it's going to, it's going to be dope. I, I'm super stoked for, for that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the fact that you can just, you have the freedom to explore uh, and just walk around this really densely populated area is, is neat to me. And they do the same thing again for, um, for Prague and mankind divided. Although it's a little bit less densely populated than, um, than Detroit or Hengsha. And I think it's because they, they make the spaces a little bit wider and a little bit more open. 
um, so you don't get that that kind of claustrophobic feel of walking into people. But yeah, I think they, they do a good job of just giving you freedom and letting you run with it. Um, so one, one thing I wanted to ask is, is what, what makes exploring a world, just in general, interesting to you? Well, one example I can think of would be Jade Empire. Almost Ooh. the entire game, the, the just the aesthetics of it are for you know for a fantasy role playing game. It's 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 not something that's set in you know some weird simulacrum of medieval Europe or whatever. It's you know it's far east styled game. Yeah, so. it's Jade Empire. Its visuals are and, and its world is very broadly sketched, but it's a it's nonetheless a distinct broad sketch. Right. It's not something that gets that you see enough of still. <laughs> right, and there's some unique moments to, I mean, there, there are games when you, or excuse me, there are moments in that game where you literally ascend to, you know, some deity's idea of heaven. Yeah. And you get to get to knock around in heaven for a little while. Um, God, I hate uh, that part. <laughs> that part's the part really with hard. The, the part with the fox, with the, like the topless foxes that don't have nipples on their breasts. Yeah, that's a little weird. That part's oh, a little no, that, weird. Oh, I that mean, stuff's great, but... <laughs> I just, I just, I'm just talking about the part where you have to fight ghosts, and if you didn't optimize your fucking martial arts <laughs> correctly, then you can't kill them. Yeah, I mean, oh, the, yeah. The, 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 the combat yeah. itself is just sort of a, it, it's not great. It's not a very well developed combat <laughs> system. It's mostly a rock paper scissors type thing where you know you your 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 fast attack is you know will beat their strong attack, and then your strong attack will beat their shields or their shield yeah. blockers. Or, I don't know. I the, the combat was not anything particularly um, impressive about it. I, I always enjoy the game more for the atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, I, I would definitely agree with that. It's a game that's a lot more interesting as just in, in terms of the world it creates than I wouldn't say how you interact with it because the way you interact with it is generally interesting. Um, but the combat in that game is, it's serviceable. It's not bad. It's just it's there. It's Bioware it's combat. There. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I, I think I would have preferred it as a, you know, as more of a turn-based thing, like a Knights of the Real Republic style combat system. But I mean, I guess it doesn't yeah. really hold with the, uh, you know, the uh, the idea that you're a martial artist and you're, you know, you're like the the ultimate, um, you know, super martial artist guy and, or girl. Uh, I think if they updated it for modern <clears throat> like if they made if they ever made a jaded empire 2 which they never will they absolutely uh, not they i think they could they could make the combat genuinely interesting yes um but it's it's definitely the kind of thing where there's a lot of a lot of the interesting combat stuff sort of happens outside of combat itself there's a lot of min maxing on stats and mm. on like the i think they're gems or whatever that you equip yep um yeah, that's that's sort of where where the interesting action happens. Yeah, no, I think you're totally right. That J, that in a way that a lot of Bioware games have not benefited from, I think Jade Empire actually could benefit from the more dynamic, the the advances in dynamic action based engines that they've been doing lately. As long as they don't just put guns in their hands. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was. I'm going to spoil part of Jade Empire right now oh, for, yeah. for the listeners. Um, there was that one character with the gun. Yeah, yes. voiced by John Cleese. <laughs> Who's played by uh, by John Cleese, 
and he's just running around. He's the only character with any sort of rifle in the game. And he's just running around trying to shoot you, and it's fantastic. He's the, he's the most delightful imperialist you could ever yeah. meet. <laughs> it's a great sequence. And what, I mean, what's great is you can you, you can learn his quote-unquote technique, which is basically you get his rifle, and now you can blow people away with this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I, mean, I remember that. It's fucking hilarious. Yes. Yeah, what's but, named Sir Roderick Ponce von Fontelbon or something? something like that? Yeah, <laughs> it's the most like it's the most like fake ass English name that they could come up with. It's so beautifully caricatured, and I I will check to make sure what the name is in a little later. But I'd um, like to talk about what I like in in, in world design <laughs> for a second. Yeah, sure, please yeah. go ahead. Yeah, using Beyond Good and Evil as a reference point, what I what I think is really necessary is that. You have to have structuralism to your world, no matter how wide or narrow it is. It needs to be structured in some sort of effectual, compelling way. Um, like, like Hillis, the planet in Beyond Good and Evil, basically starts as, "Oh, I'm I'm on an I'm on a small island with a lighthouse, and this island is in the middle of this body of water, and and um, as you traverse the body of water, you sort of learn you learn the out the out." Uh, the outline, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. Sorry, um, you learn you learn the outline of the uh, of the environment where there's there are these little branching paths that will lead to mines or or uh, to the city or whatever else, and you just you just grasp that there's a there's a broad structure at work with with your island back in the center, essentially. And I think that kind of, that's just <laughs> that's really really necessary. Yeah, um, it needs to feel like. It needs to feel like wherever you start is is a part of of some larger whole exactly. and a part that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Keeping it, keeping that or uh, that relationship, that spatial relationship between where you start and where you go, organic is also is also necessary. Um, but I just like even even if it damages verisimilitude a bit, I'm fine with it feeling like a video game level in terms of how it's structured, as long as it's in a way that's coherent and means that it. It's it's navigable. Yeah, yeah, that that's that's big for me too. Is just being like making making it easy for me to kind of interact with and move through that world. Yeah, um, and there there are games like like platformers where where it is difficult, and that's and that's part of the charm. Like I don't play, I don't want Mario to turn into a walking simulator, but. Um, you know, there's that's the point of the game. Then, like exploration becomes a challenge. Yeah, and um, yeah, no, a wide open space isn't a bad thing either. It can certainly be used. I think I think it like looking at Mario Odyssey as an example. The benefit of that game is that there are so many different environments of varying sizes and varying structures that you do have room for something like the sand level, which is basically just a, mostly a wide open space that happens to have, you know, individualized structured parts within it. And you're just sort of like traversing the desert between those, between those major parts. Um, you can have yeah. that, that you can also have something that's a little more <laughs> to me, more interesting. <laughs> yeah. What I would say about Odyssey, what it gets really, what it gets really right about how to design these kinds of levels mm-hmm. is it, initializes you in the level in in a way where you can sort of see what how the level is laid out in front of you yes and then it it very much fits with the ethos of if you can see it you can go to it yes um 
And then the challenge becomes, okay, how do I get to that point that I see far off in the distance? And makes makes a game out of it. Yeah. Um, and the levels that I think are a little bit less successful are the levels where it's it's hard to see where you have to go. So levels like um, like the Lake Kingdom and the Snow and the Snow Kingdom or whatever it's called are um, are levels where you don't exactly see the whole thing laid out in front of you. Um, whereas the other levels where you do sort of see that whole thing laid out in front of you, I think tend to tend to be a little bit more more satisfied and direct. Yeah, that's fair. The Snow Kingdom was definitely a weak point for me, but the Lake Kingdom actually was a highlight <laughs> to me. Oh, okay, I, yeah. I think the Lake Kingdom works because I think it. I, there's an immediate area that you can grasp, and then once you get beyond that, there's you have to start like you get to delve into a sort of a sense of discovery. Like I liked that I'm you know I'm looking at the bottom of the lake. I'm not sure quite where to go. I see a hole. I'm gonna swim through this hole, and I don't know quite where it's gonna go. But that's kind of exciting in its own way. And I just I think that coheres better than some of the other exploratory experiences in video games. Oh yeah, that's true. It is it is tense because I believe there are no cheap cheeps to capture at the entrance. So you're just kind of like, oh my god, am I going to run out of air? Am I going to run out of air? Am I yeah. going to run out of air? And it does add a little bit of tension, which is somewhat at odds with, with the more serene feeling of the rest of the level. But I, I do like how they... Um, I, do, I do like that it does add that urgency. Yeah, yeah. It's Would definitely a complicated design that is... They probably maybe didn't 100% nail, but I think they were most of the way there. And they put a lot of ambition into that one i would argue um i, I yeah, and also it's... i i think the uh sorry the the zipper the zipper aspect of that level is so good yeah it's oh, a, that's, that's a cute mechanic i like that that was one of the few things that wasn't spoiled in like pre-release footage yeah so when i saw that for the first time i was like oh my gosh this is adorable and hilarious yeah it's yeah it's it's kind of that same that same vibe that you get from like yoshi's crafted world or whatever but in this specific context where it's like oh i'm actually controlling the environment instead of just reacting to it and that's really exciting in addition to just being very charming um but yeah i would Another aspect of, uh, of world design that's really important to me, and this will be a weird, weird, um, very kind of narrow one, is I think I like wildlife. <laughs> like what I loved about Beyond Good and Evil was I liked going into into this into this uh, sp- unpredictable space where there was all kinds of there's a, a variety of species, and some of them were giant bugs that tried to eat me, and some of them were just like placid like slimes on the walls, and I loved that variety, and I. I just love that sense of life to the place, you know. Oh, I I completely one hundred percent agree with that. I love fictional animals. Yes. Yeah, yeah, um, and it doesn't have to be animals. Like you can you you can it can easily be like a communal space, a like a town space with a variety of you know different kinds of peoples, and that's equally exciting. Um, but it's about that sense of life, basically. <laughs> I think yeah. it's one of the things that, that kind of, I mean, give, given the, uh, the the limitations of the original Metroid, I, I think that's one of the aspects of it that really kind of fleshed out the world is like most of the, you know, quote unquote enemies in Metroid, uh, the original one, uh, were basically just the local fauna yeah, kind of doing their thing. Yeah, I've only seen the original Metroid in the context of watching my girlfriend play it but yeah. but I, I found it really yeah genuinely exciting and fascinating to watch because yeah you're just you're exploring these these cave environments so there's all sorts of weirdly shaped aliens that you don't 
you don't know a lot about them, but you grasp you grasp their immediate context in terms of how they're going to affect your life right now. Yeah, some of them are aggressive, it's... some of them aren't. Some of them, you know, they they help you progress the level. I mean, there, there's I mean, Super Metroid doubles down on that by having, you know. Um, helpful aliens that teach you how to use specific abilities that you gain during the game. Um, and there's other portions, you know, there's, there's particularly right at the beginning of uh, Super Metroid, there's a section where you just run across little space bugs that do nothing but fly away when they get too close. It's just oh, I of, love uh, that. I love, that's my shit. <laughs> I yeah. cannot wait to play the Metroids. They, they do seem like they'll probably be up my alley in a lot of ways. Yeah. <laughs> What what's really exciting to me about that, and this is gonna sound a little flippant, it's almost like learning by killing. Yeah, like you 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 start to understand how how these animals function um, by engaging them in combat. And to to your point earlier, um, that like making the real world feel alive, it makes the world feel like a real place that exists outside of you exploring it yes. when there's, when there's wildlife all over the place, which, um, you know, to me is, is, is interesting. Even if it's like really standard wildlife, um, like, you know, in the dragon age games, there are mm. bears and bears have a reputation for fucking your shit up. God, the bears. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And there are some bears which are angrier than others. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that even adds character to the world. The fact that there are bears all over the place and they're super aggressive and want to destroy you yes. is, is, is something that adds, adds character to the world. So, yeah. yeah, I'm all about fictional animals and, and real animals. Um, I'm especially all about the nugs. In oh my god, the nugs. They're so good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't tell if you mean that they're so adorable or so delicious. Cause... I mean, <laughs> they're, they're a little of both. But but no, I mostly mean that they're very cute. I mean, yeah. like Liliana was always one of my favorite characters in the series. <laughs> the, her, I pet, love how... her pet schmooples is important to me. Yeah. I love how if you, if you make Liliana the, what do they call it? I'm going to call her the Pope, sorry, because I yes. don't know what they're actually the, called. The you make Dubai. Liliana the Pope. And I believe if you make her not the murder pope, then she has schmooples in her like official portrait. Yes, yeah, which is hilarious to me. So good. <laughs> um, spoilers for Dragon Age Inquisition, yeah. by the way. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, you get to decide who's pope. <laughs> which I mean, we've all fantasized about. That's that's a real video game power fantasy for me <laughs> as a Catholic. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I quite enjoyed that. Um, yeah. The other thing I enjoyed speaking of nugs was they have the giant nugs, the nuggalopes. You can yes. just ride around a giant nug, and it's hilarious. It's it's so cute <laughs> and good. Also, is that a cat? <laughs> have might I been be hearing a cat. a cat in the background? <laughs> that might be my squeaky chair. Sorry okay. about that. It's okay. It's all right. It's a squeaky cat. We can we can roll with that. Uh, wait, are there cats in Dragon Age? Yes, I think there are. Yeah, I, I, um, I, if I remember correctly, um, one of the backgrounds that you have in the first game in Origins is that you're, you know, you're the heir of a royal family that gets super fucked over um, by the by the groups that are kind of taking power in the in the wake of uh, Logan's actions at the beginning of the game. 
spoiler alert for this 10 year old RPG. Um, and, and you have a cat, you have a cat that like, it's, it's physically animated as ro- roaming around the castle. And it will also be in your inventory after the after the game starts. Oh, that's awesome! It's I great. only ever played the the Circle Mage Origin, so I didn't get to see that. Um, and I remember the dog, of course. Yes, Barks. The dog. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, Avon Barksdale. Oh, that's what you that's what you call them. I, I called the one in Dragon Age Origins Barkspawn because that's what they're canonically called in Awakening. Yeah, and I called the one in Dragon Age two for for Elden. <laughs> uh, Barkspawn is classic for sure, and yeah, and also for Elden is is also very good. But no, he's to me he'll always be Avon Barksdale. Is... I I completely am behind that. Um, yeah, so yeah. animals make a world interesting yeah. to me. They bring life. I will I will admit. As much as I, I, I find the dog in Dragon Age charming, specifically the Origins one, who is in your party, I find him charming, but I didn't really do a lot with him. I didn't find him really satisfying to play with or anything. Like, I, I yeah, sympathize he's not with why a good... people... I sympathize with why people preferred him in the sense that, like, well, he's never going to be a... He's never going to randomly decide that he hates me because I was nice to someone or whatever. Like, I'm sympathetic to that. But he's just not that satisfying to me. Either in Yeah, or... he's not a good party member. No. Which is why I like what they did in Dragon Age 2, where the dog is just kind of like an accessory. Yeah, the dog is, a, is basically a summon. is not a bad idea. I do wish the summons in those games were better in general, though. I remember being so excited. Like, the very first trailer for Origins has, has a giant spider show up. Or Morgan turns into a spider, either way. But, they, yeah, they, like, have a giant animal monster fighting for you and it and it seems so dynamic and it's so perfunctory in the games <laughs> yeah i think you can turn into a bear in dragon Age origins i forget it's been a while since i played i remember turning myself into another animal and, and having fun with that yes and i'm sad that's not in dragon age inquisition because i think it's blood magic and you're not supposed to do blood magic anyway um yeah that's that's what I've enjoyed about, about exploring those particular worlds. Um, so just to, to wrap this up, what kinds of settings do you want to explore that you haven't explored much yet in, in video games? Mm-hmm. Oh, tough question. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it hard is, to think of something. A tough like... question. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it, 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 I guess maybe it's a, failure of imagination on my part but i can't think of something that i you know without getting presented with it first i don't know that's a good question um yeah so one one setting that i've kind of wanted to explore is that i want to see um more interactions between wildlife and science and science yeah so more the aesthetic is the the common aesthetic of this is called solar punk so more like greenery with technology. The only, I think Crisis has a bit of it, but it's more dystopian. Um, I would love, the only place that really comes to mind is the Solarian world from Mass Effect 3, mm-hmm. where you're in that lab with all the greenery. Um, that's the only place that really comes to mind with that aesthetic. And it's an aesthetic I really like, so I want to see more of that in games. Absolutely. Um, 
Unfort- yeah, the there's unfortunately just certain things about the industry that don't lend themselves well to that to that specific aesthetic for whatever reason. Um, I, I mean, think, just I think Fallout like, not even kind just of the... invokes that at some points, but it it continues to to have less opportunity to do so over time. Yeah, because of all the you know what's happening outside the vaults. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, think, I mean, also just greenery is super hard to render. It is. It's it is. really processor intensive or, or graphics card intensive. So I understand why they don't have that much of it. It's just something I'd like to see more. Yes. In the, in the latest Resident Evil game, there's a, the, the part two remake. You go into a lab that has been overtaken by greenery. Um, it's a really short section of the game, but it's, it's really cool. Um, just kind of walking into this you know, this scientific lab. And then all of a sudden there's big old tree branches and vines just hanging around everywhere. And it's kind of nature has just kind of choked the science away. Um, and of yeah. course there's like, there's like, there's like zombie plant people. Oh, uh, cool. I love it. Oh, it's kind of like the, the lab level from Arkham Asylum, like poison Ivy's level. Kind of. Yeah. And there's sections yeah. of uh, portal two that are kind of like that. Where... Right. Yeah. The, the old aperture. Yeah, aperture labs yeah. is kind of falling apart in sections. Yeah, and it's become. And you can little... see so like the sunlight filtering through. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I think that goes yeah. more to your like it's 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 more dystopian than it is like an an actual cohesive like, uh, like nature and science living together in harmony and. and... Yeah, that's exactly what I yeah, what I want to see more of. of it's more of that, like this is not a battle between nature and science. This is kind of like it's a, not necessarily a symbiotic relationship but they live together yeah some degree of synthesis yeah yeah um on on a completely different note one of the other settings i want to see more of that's not in a lot of video games is you know there's a lot of europe in video games there's a lot of obviously north america and a lot of east asia but there's a lot less of of like Africa, specifically Sub-Saharan Africa, you still see some Mediterranean Africa in games, but not a lot of Sub-Saharan Africa, not a lot of Southeast Asia. Yes. Um, well, Metal so... Gear Solid Five had a big... Uh, didn't they have a big Africa presence? That's where you were in, in a part of that game, right? Probably. Metal... <laughs> I just haven't played it, so um, it's not my... <laughs> I, I can't really say one way or the other. Um, the only game I've played that had a bit in in like a modern... African city was Uncharted 4, um, which uh, I don't know if you're in Antananarivo or some other unnamed uh, Malagasy city, but yeah, you get to walk around through a market and interact with a lemur and have it steal your apple, um, which unfortunately I believe is the only lemur in the game, which feels like a ripoff. Oh, tragic. <laughs> so much of it is set in Madagascar. Um, I mean, there's more to Madagascar than lemurs. I just... That that is very true. That is important, but also lemurs are great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Overwatch has a map that's kind of basically a Wakanda esque uh, modern like sci fi African city that's really gorgeous and well done. You know, it's you know it's a multiplayer combat game, so it's not like you really get to you don't get a lot of time to soak in the uh, the environment or anything. So it's pretty limited. But but they do have they have several. Um, they have at least two or three uh, apps and uh, maps in Africa that I really enjoyed that one in particular. Marvel uh, Ultimate yeah. Alliance also has a, a Wakanda level as well. So if you want to do <laughs> Fantasy Africa, you can play Ultimate Alliance. 
I do like I do like these sort of Afrofuturist settings. Yeah, they, they, they always have like a unique spin on on sci-fi, which I really dig. Um, what other settings do you guys want to see more of? One thing that came to mind for me was uh, uh, the journey to the center of the Earth, and just seeing like like because I mean we scientifically know kind of what the inside of the Earth looks like, but I've never seen a video game actually kind of like explore the inner depths of our planet and they can go to like some weird fantastical uh, areas with that, but also maybe mix in a little bit of what is actually in there. I don't know. It, that, that seems like a, a, an area that hasn't been tackled. That, That's a really cool idea. There should be more video game adaptations of Jules Verne novels. That's yeah. actually yeah. really true though. <laughs> <laughs> also, yeah. um, going back to, sorry, this is going to be a weird tangent, but, um, the, the solar punk and nature and such discussions reminded me of... Do you remember there was a Journey to the West game that was a sci-fi... Enslaved? Enslaved, Odyssey, yes. Yeah, Odyssey to the West. Yes, I've played it. <laughs> that that has, that has some... I mean, I realize it goes back to the same thing of what you you very effectively you know distinct, de- defined as a distinction between like nature and tech and conflict versus nature and tech in synthesis, but... But it's it's one of the only like non like non like franchise examples I can think of of where they like tried to do some of that aesthetically. That game has a lot of other weird stuff going on, but <laughs> that is a it's a very bizarre game. Yeah. Um I mean it's also not a super fun game. No, it's it's bad. <laughs> um but it's a game that I'm glad got made because you don't see you don't see that many games take those kinds of risks. Yes, agreed. Um, yeah. Actually, this is this is also going to be silly, but bear with me here. Um, something that I want, I would like to see more of, or at least like I am seeing some of it, but I'm just not seeing it. I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it by the right people. <laughs> I'm not seeing it in the right context. The context I'd like to see, which is <laughs> there's like there is a small wave of like. Again, bear with me here. Of bit like kind of biblical games out there, like Dante's. Oh, like the U Testament. <laughs> Hold on a second, because that exists. That is a game where like you're the savior. Hold it's, on, it's, it's <laughs> I. That's not exactly what I'm going for here. Okay. Um, yeah. Like, Sorry, go ahead. like we have Darksiders, right? Which just inexplicably released the third entry last fall. That shocked the shit out of me. I I thought for sure that was dead. <laughs> um, there's Darksiders, and there was the Dante's Inferno game back in 2010, which the, the less said about the better in general. <laughs> so yeah, and so in both cases, the most high-profile examples I can think of are these, they're God of War likes that kind of vaguely um, will co-op certain biblical things like Concepts like the Horseman of the Apocalypse, um, you know, hell imagery, classical hell imagery, but not really yeah. stuff that's accurate to the text. Uh, Bayonetta does a little bit of this too, right? Yes. With, with the angels? Yeah, Bayonetta has... Bayonetta 1 ends with you killing God. <laughs> uh, yeah, I should finish that game. Yeah, me yeah. too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I didn't know you yeah. killed God. Yeah. yeah God. Um, <laughs> all I know is that I think they're t- they take the the 
biblical descriptions of angels a little more literally than than were uh, quite intense. Like the whole like, oh, they have wings and they're all in white and they have halos. That kind so of yeah, so basically, and of those three, I would definitely point to Bayonetta as the strongest of them, personally. <laughs> um, but yeah, but in all cases, basically, they're action games that are sort of they're they're in, they're taking they're taking what they feel like taking, which is you know like the creepy edgy stuff that they can find and uh you know, just using that for for their uh, action game context their violent context and i just i think there's i know this is a weird tangent i'm genuinely sorry but but i just think there's a lot more potential that you could actually get out of religious lore and religious worlds in a more general sense not even just judeo-christian specifically or anything uh, than is actually, like, being mined by games. Well, I think it comes down to, like, a, a like, like you said, they're just mostly action games, right? But I, I don't know if anybody's taken it actually seriously. Um, yeah. Like, you know, biblical times or, any, or anything like that. Not yeah. that I want to play a game based on the Bible. I think it would be really boring. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm the, I might be the only person who wants this, and I'm okay with no, I mean, there is, like I mentioned earlier, there is the U Testament, which is sort of like an RPG based in biblical times. It's made by one guy, and it's not very well yes. made. It's also for free, yeah. so you can just go download it and play it right now. Okay, no, that's not what I'm looking for either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like, if you want a, a big budget or like seriously made like biblical RPG or just an RPG set in biblical times. Um, I think that's, there's room for that. Yeah. I think to your other point, there's also room to make games that take, you know, religious texts as more or take a more holistic approach to religious texts. They don't just strip mind them for the, the interesting imagery. They also, they take the contents of the text seriously. And I yeah. don't think I see a lot of that in games. Yeah. Well, there's always, you know, super Noah's Ark 3d. Uh, the, the very accurate Super Noah's Ark 3D. Mm-hmm. Your Wolfenstein total conversion. Oh, yeah. There's also that fictional game from The Simpsons where you try to just convert people. It's almost, you know, the funny part of that's almost what uh, Super 3D Noah's Ark, whatever the heck it is. Um, was? Was. It's, it's, it's a, it literally is a first-person converter or something like that. That's... I guess what I'm t- I, what I'm trying to say is like, okay, we talked about Dragon Age fairly substantively earlier. Dragon Age uses a lot of religious themery, themer. That's yeah. not a word. Um, thematics. Dragon Age, uh, particularly in Inquisition, has a lot of religious narrative and thematics going on. Like, like your character is very messianic and uh, in, in Inquisition, like you literally become a, both a Jesus and a Moses analog at various points in the story. Um, yeah. Which is something I'm really fond of. <laughs> it's, I do like that one thing that Dragon Age set the Dragon Age setting has done in particular is that it 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 is a setting that does take its fictional religion seriously yeah. and integrate into society in a way that makes sense. Yeah, it's not just oh there is this the, everybody lives under the under the chantry and they control everything, or oh here's some insignificant sect or cult and you you deal with them a little bit it is a thing that that is part of society that has some power and you know it, it's its influence is felt throughout society it feels like a realistic part of that world and i think you know that it doesn't take a, a specific existing religious religion seriously 
but it does create this religion and make it a serious part of the world, yes. which I, I appreciate. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm trying to say. Is that's that's what I'd love to see more of. Um, I'm again, I'm sorry for that though. <laughs> no, it's it's fine. I think it's I think it's a it's very it's a very intelligent tangent to, to take. Um, and you know, I do I do enjoy the chantry. If nothing else, I do enjoy the chantry and the really stupid hats. <laughs> so. Oh no, um, my. My uh, my people are definitely very good at the ba- at the big stupid hats, if nothing else. Uh, um, yeah. So, anything else you guys want to say about your your favorite video game settings or settings you'd like to see more of? Uh, yeah. I mean, this probably g- given the the you know the recent history of uh, the aliens games, the aliens versus you know colonial marines, aliens versus whatever. Uh, I guess this is kind of a you know be careful what you wish for type thing, but I've always wanted to see more of the, I guess the the H.R. Giger esque architecture um, that you see briefly in some of the video games and of course the movies. Um, I mean, it, 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 as much as a turkey as Prometheus turned out to be, I mean, I do really love the art direction of that movie, and I would like to see a game. Uh, world uh built out of out of that uh yeah yeah i think that cool seems like it could be really cool. uh, <clears throat> like you know, mass effect thing i think would be really cool with yeah it. yeah Some, something that's not strictly an alien shooter although i mean i wouldn't mind that either um just something that uh, uh kind of dies as long as world. gearbox doesn't make it but <laughs> yeah will be yeah <laughs> Um, well, Gearbox didn't really make most of it. They they kind of just uh, contacted it out to TimeGate without telling anybody. But that's a whole other saga. <laughs> it sure is. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that, that's definitely an aesthetic that I think we could we could stand to see a little a little more of in video games. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's all these interesting settings. You know what? They should pay us to to come up with video games. <laughs> they really shouldn't. Yeah. My, my ideas are all terrible, but. Hey, real quick, one 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 thing that I that just came to me. Speaking of Gearbox, um, was uh, is there a setting in a game that you were really excited to see, and then the game turned out to be shit? Because one that comes to mind is We Happy Few for me. Oh, I was really oh yeah. By the prospect of going into a world that was kind of like like that old show, The Prisoner, in this kind of very '60s retro futuristic thing, and I was. I wanted to play it. I, I played it, and I wanted to be in the world and, and, and explore everything that had that it had, and it just turned out to be dog shit. Like it was one of the worst games I've ever played. So was there some? Was there a game where you that that was like that for you? Oh yeah, I have one example right off the top of my head. Uh, have you guys heard of this Metroidvania called Apotheon? Yeah. No, actually. Speaking of gods yeah, and but... stuff. <laughs> yeah. So imagine a imagine a two D game. With the aesthetic of everything having been painted on Greek pottery, oh, it looks gorgeous okay. and incredible! Yeah. Like they do a lot of cool things with shadows and and the way it's animated, it it looks incredible. Mm-hmm. And that game is just a fucking chore to play. Uh, yeah, it's, the game, the combat is awful. Yeah. it's clumsy. Um, it's really any ranged weapon is basically impossible to use or fire accurately. Um, there's so much tedium in terms of like obtaining weapons and, and upgrades and shit like that. It's just not at all fun to play, but it looks incredible. And I love the setting. 
Um, so yeah, g- great question. That's 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 the game that off the top of my head strikes me as you know something I was super excited to to delve into and explore, and just ended up being a chore to play. Mm-hmm. Um, do you guys have any any other examples of those? Again, feel like the teacher at the. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's it's if you haven't if you if you're not like thinking of uh, of it like immediately, um, then. Yeah, these these kinds of things would be hard to come up with. They're yeah. just on the spot. The only thing I could think of would be Alien Hominid. You remember I that? Heard of that game? Oh, you didn't like that game? I loved that game. I liked. It. I just remember it being uh, way too frustratingly hard to really get into. Mm-hmm. I've played. Um, I, I forget the name of the, the developers right now, but those guys, you know, they have a they kind of an evolving cartoon aesthetic over the years, from Alien Hominid to Castle Crashers to Battle Block Theater. And such that it's it's a pretty fun aesthetic that they work with. Yeah, I forget yeah. again what they're named, but Oh uh, uh the, the Behemoth. Yeah. Jinx. Yeah, is the name of the studio. <clears throat> yeah, I mean along the lines I'm I'm reminded a little bit of um uh Destroy All Humans. Another oh my game gosh. that was a lot more fun in yeah. I guess concept than execution. That's that's my answer. I'm sorry, I had to pounce on you to after you pointed out, but that is my answer. I yeah. loved Destroy All Humans when I was a kid. I loved the '50s, '60s satire stuff. I loved the, I loved the the classic gray alien imagery and the UFO and stuff. Yeah, just you know, exploring and and destroying the uh, the the retro satire Americana. It does not age well. No, <laughs> it, does it does not. No, it does not come together as well when you're not an edgy twelve year old. Yeah. You think so I love a version of that new... that's smarter and and more thoughtful. Do you think that's why there hasn't been a new one in so many years? Um, well, I, I think they just kind of they just stopped performing well at a certain point. Like well, I think there was like there was yeah, some franchises just die uh, yeah. for whatever reason. They uh, they did the the first two the first uh, the first two are like you know staggered releases and were developed in their own ways and then you had like two or three spin-offs all in really quick succession that were really done I didn't done. hear about the spin-offs <laughs> um, I, I didn't even know they had spin-offs are they like exclusive one where you were basically just controlling a you were controlling the giant donut boy from that one Sheriff of horror episode <laughs> and uh, and one Lard lad was, yes it was yeah you were basically Lard lad like that was it <laughs> Just smashing shit with your donut, um, and then the other one was, it was officially it was like the the main third entry, but it production wise it was basically a spinoff because it was so cheap and broken. It was called Path of the Furon, because um, yeah, that one is like it is like the next entry, like it's in the seventies, like the first two were in the fifties and sixties, um, but it's so cheap and so. Tight, like just so small in production scale and so broken, and it yeah. came out really, really quickly right after two and the and the Donut Boy one. That it basically okay. that so the franchise like, that collectively killed the series. Is it like Kingdom Hearts where the spinoffs are really lore <laughs> no, heavy? No, it's not like the Kingdom Hearts games. <laughs> okay, because I gotta say, Kingdom Hearts sort of fits the bill for me as I as a game where I really was excited about the setting mm-hmm. and then i played the combat and i hate it yeah um, no the the combat's really repetitive and dull and the level designs are also really repetitive and dull. 
I kind of had some of the worlds are are really cool, uh, and so some, some of the worlds have like really cool ideas in them. Like I love the I love some of the ideas in Wonderland, and some of the ideas in uh, in like Monstro and um, Halloween Town. But yeah, some some of the level design in that game is eh, yeah. not great. Peter yeah, Pan, gonna... the, the boat, uh, Captain Hook's boat. <laughs> It's Let's, so claustrophobic. You can't see what's going yeah, on. This horrifically cramped environment as your last Disney World <laughs> where you can't see anything and you have to you're keep being asked to fight like 20 enemies at once. <laughs> the sad thing about that game is the best level is the one that's not Disney based. It's Hollow Bastion. Yeah, well, Hollow Bastion. Like is, yeah. <laughs> it's by far the best level and the design of that level is great. The aesthetics are incredible. Um it's it's actually fun to interact with it. It's, it's five just, times it's bigger than World. any other level, <laughs> yeah. which which allows for some legitimate like interesting design and scope and all that stuff. <sighs> yeah, um, yeah. Well, have fun yeah. with the sequels. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard the sequels actually have much better level design. Uh. <laughs> Kingdom Hearts, well, Kingdom Hearts three in particular. But it's going to be a few months before I get to that. I still haven't beat the first Kingdom Hearts. I'm nearing the end, and I couldn't beat the final boss rush, and so now I'm going back to grind like 10 levels. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's always a great way to endear yourself to a game in the home stretch, right? <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, I also kind of suck at games. So if I were actually good at games, I could probably just, just power through the final boss rush. But I suck at games, so I have to grind like ten levels yeah. over where I need no. to be. Hey. <laughs> don't don't be down on yourself, man. It's not a it's not an e- oh, it's not an easy game. Like, Liper- it's way too hard for its aesthetics. <laughs> exactly, that's all I'll say. For two thousand two art game. Um, yeah, we we need to stop talking about Kingdom Hearts. We we devoted like an entire podcast. I'm to sorry, I could time. talk about Kingdom Hearts for so many hours (laughs) i mean it's my fault this time um for bringing it up um but yeah anyway i think this is a a a good note on which to to call this podcast to a close you know on complaining about kingdom hearts as as one does on this podcast (laughs) um i want to thank you for joining the 45th annual complaining about kingdom hearts podcast (laughs) yeah when are they going to add sonic to kingdom hearts that's what i want to know he he would fit so well with it. Though. Would, <laughs> especially the entities from um, from Shadow the Hedgehog and Sonic 06 and Sonic Forces. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. Those those belong in in this kind of game, it's especially because like some of the some of the anime characters. I don't know why I'm calling them anime characters, not anime. Some of the like the the Final Fantasy characters that they added to Kingdom Hearts, they gave them such spiky hair that they might as well be hedgehogs. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like so brooding and edgy. Like when did when did Squall become such a dick? That's what I want to know. Squall kind of already was a dick. <laughs> yeah, but he's even more of a jerk in this game. Like I don't know. Sorry, I, I, I should stop complaining about Kingdom Hearts. Um, so if you'd like to keep up to date with the podcast, you can follow us on our website. That's right. We have a website uh, called gamescast.wordpress.com. Um, we post each episode. We have a link dump. We try to fact check the things we said. We fail Sometimes horribly. Sometimes we say things. Pardon me. We fail horribly. 
I, I mean, we succeed generally at fact-checking. It's more that we say a lot of stupid false shit on this podcast, mostly by accident. <laughs> uh, and that's mostly my bad. Yeah, just Sorry, off- folks. Look, we're all... We're all talking off the cuff here for the most part. It, oh, it'll yeah. happen. Yeah. It's not... My it's, defense is that nobody's paying us to say this shit, yes. so if we're getting paid and lying a lot, that'd yeah, be different. That's, that's the best possible excuse um, for when your podcast and then you fuck up, <laughs> is remember, yeah. we're not getting paid for this. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're not... We're not getting paid. Yeah. We're not... We're not... Also, speaking of which, um, I, I did just check... Sir Roderick Ponce von Fontalbottom, the Magnificent Bastard, is the full title of John Cleese's character. Oh, okay, so I had it right, minus the Magnificent Bastard yes. part. Okay, <laughs> awesome. Um, you can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Google Play Music. Just search for <laughs> Avocado Games Cast. Um, and also make sure you check out the wonderful community that spawned this podcast, The Avocado, at the-avocado.org. Type the character hyphen, not the word hyphen. I don't know why you type the word hyphen. I make this joke at the end of every podcast. I'm sorry. It makes me laugh. Um, well, there you have it. We talked about exploration. We talked about Hot Cops, the video game. We talked about Tetris Battle Royale. It's been a fun time, folks. Very good. It has. Hey, uh, if I could do one more plug for the avocado. Uh, every yes. Tuesday, I uh, write a new games column. Uh, and I would love for you to all read it and uh, interact in the comments. Yes. Yeah, right. it is a well-written column, yeah. and I genuinely mean good. that. Okay. And it, it also delves into some video game history, which is always fun to read about. Um, so, Bones, you have a you have a column on the avocado as well about <laughs> I do. video games. <laughs> I do. It's called uh, Midot's Meltdown. It's, uh, it's focused on the... It's focused on platforming and adventure game design in the early 2000s and also some RPGs. Uh, but we're not getting to that for like a year <laughs> because that's going to take so much work. Um, but yeah, it's... Yeah, you'll have to beat Kingdom Hearts again. <laughs> don't make me think about that. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a semi-autobiographical exploration of, of, of game history and game design through the specific framework of what kind of dumb shit did I play when I was a kid, basically? Um, and I'll be publishing a... Oh, wait, this is not going to be posted for a couple of weeks. Hold on. <laughs> so it, in a, what, by the time this goes up, uh, her next column will be up. Yes, so yes my next column. Hopefully another one between uh, after that will also be up. But basically, every few Wednesdays... I can't even say every other, but every few Wednesdays, I'll have a new column up uh, on theavocado.org, and you should check it out. Um, and... It won't just be Medot's Meltdown. I also have a separate like Nintendo devoted series. It's going to be a whole thing. Anyway, but but thank you. Yeah, and other other um, article series we have on the avocados related to, related to video games. We have uh, biweekly video game threads, and we also have a feature called Franchise Festival, written by Singing Breakman, who has appeared on this podcast before. Yeah, so definitely check that out as well. Um, and there's also stuff that's not related to video games on that website, but we don't need to talk about it. <laughs> That's that's really fuck TV. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the rest the rest of the avocado is truly the minor portion of it, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, forget all those movie reviews and, and other interesting threads. Yeah. Um, we were recording this the day of the Oscars. Yeah, and we we somehow managed to avoid talking about movies almost entirely. So that's got to be some sort of feat. <laughs> I would agree with that. Uh, 
Congratulations to us. We deserve an Oscar for this. Yeah. They should, they should make a video game Oscars, guys. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. I know. Incredible. Mind blown. Whoa. They should make an Oscars, but for music. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> guys, we already have that. It's the, it's the judo awards. It's like Canada's biggest award ceremony. Um, anyways, if... Yeah, have a great day. Thank you all for being on the podcast. Thank you all for listening. And we'll see you in a few weeks for some bullshit. We haven't decided yet. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.